Right. Good morning, everybody. Morning. We're um, just before we start this morning. Just want to say a, a massive thank you to um, everybody that donated towards our hampers appeal this year. Um, so everyone who gave kind of financially, a massive, massive thank you for that. Um, uh, we had plenty of money given, which was brilliant. So we're able to put together about 50 hampers uh, that we've been able to give out to people that we support in the community um, and some people within church as well. So that was brilliant. So a massive thank you to everyone who gave financially. A massive thank you to all the volunteers who went and got the food and have wrapped the hampers and then put them all together. Um, and then also the ones that are going to deliver them out to people. So a massive well done and thank you. It's a great way that we as a church can bless loads of kind of people in our community over Christmas. So a massive well done and thank you for all of that. Okay, so this morning uh, we are going, it's the final one in our series where we've been going through the topics uh, that are in the book Gentle and Lonely. Uh, so whether you've been reading the book or just listening to the talks or not doing either, uh, it's been really good over the last term to be focusing on the nature and the character of Jesus, hasn't it? No matter which, however you've been kind of engaging with it, it's actually been really great just to spend some time looking at the nature and the character of Jesus. And today we're going to talk about um, a topic which is, is kind of dear to many people's hearts, I'm sure. And this is the ultimate wedding ceremony that is going to take place. Now, I appreciate right from the beginning that even just that topic can stir kind of mixed emotions in people. I totally appreciate that. It might be that you're single and that you'd long to get married and the sort of subject of a wedding makes you feel kind of sad. It might be that you're divorced. It might be that you're bereaved. It might be that you've been in a negative kind of marriage in your life or have bad experiences in the past or have seen your parents not having a great marriage. But today we want, trust me, today we're going to look at a wedding that everybody can get excited about. Okay, so then we're going to look at today the most positive expression of marriage and wedding that we can ever, ever imagine. So the, the passage we're going to look at today is from the book of Revelation, which is right at the end of the Bible. And before we look at our passage, I just want to refresh us all with the timeline of Jesus so that we all know whether you're kind of new to the Bible, you're new to the Christian faith, and you think, you know, I, it's really easy for us who, who've read the Bible a few times, maybe not every single word, but read it plenty, and been around church a long time. We can make big assumptions, can't we, that everybody knows where these things fit in. But let me just first of all give you a quick timeline of Jesus so that where we're looking at today fits into, it makes sense where we look at it. So the first thing is Jesus has always existed, always before time, before, you know, before the world was created, Jesus existed. Okay, then he came to earth. We all know that time of year. It's kind of happening soon, I think someone said, maybe, yeah, Christmas. Okay, it's where we celebrate where Jesus came to earth, but he'd already existed. That wasn't when he was created or anything. Jesus had already existed in all of time. Then he came to earth as a baby. He grew up, and then around the age of about 30, when he was on earth, he spent about three years or so doing amazing miracles, teaching people about who he was and what was to come. And then, as we celebrate at Easter, he died. He was crucified on a cross, and then three days later, he rose again. And then a short time afterwards, Jesus then returned back up to heaven. So he didn't die again. He actually was taken back up into heaven which is where he is now. So Jesus is now in heaven. It says that he's at the right hand of the Father. So Jesus, the man and, and son of God, is now in heaven. And one day, the Bible tells us, he'll return again to earth. But this time, not as a baby, not in kind of a little stable somewhere over in uh, the Middle East, 
But instead, he's going to return a second time in all glory to come and judge the world, to judge the living and judge the dead. And then we come to what we're going to look at today in Revelation 19. So Revelation 19, verses 6 through to 9. It says this. So this is talking right at the end after Jesus has come back, judged the world. This is like now we're looking at this. So it says, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. And when, when it says, then I heard, that's talking about a guy called John, who was one of the apostles. He had this great revelation, hence the name of the book. Then I, I John, heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. And it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So this is this amazing story picture of what's going to happen in the future when Jesus has come and wrapped all of history up this is the moment that is going to take place so just to kind of highlight who are the characters well when it talks in there about the marriage of the lamb that's talking about Jesus the lamb is 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 what's used kind of even in the old testament to kind of foresee who's to come Jesus is talked about the lamb this sacrificial lamb who came and died for us so the marriage of the lamb is Jesus, is his kind of marriage ceremony. The bride, it talks about there, the bride has made herself ready. Well, the bride in, in the Bible is talked about the church of all believers. So all people who have followed Jesus, who have had faith in God, past, present, and even the ones that are to come after us, all wrapped up in the church, the universal church, the church of all believers. Well, that's also described as the bride. We are the bride of Christ. So we have this marriage between Jesus as the Lamb and the church, the, all the believers who have ever existed, the, 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 um, the bride of Christ. So this whole kind of moment really is, 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 is this picture of what's going to take place in the future where Jesus and all his believers finally are 100% united together in, in, in each other's presence. It's this moment where the coming together of the bride and the bridegroom, and they're going to live together. We're all going to live together forever in the new heavens and the new earth. So it's this kind of amazing picture of what is to come in the future. And it's going to all happen. Like I said, we don't know when this is going to happen. People asked Jesus when he was on earth, when are you coming again? What's going to happen? You know, they thought, well, he, he's going away for a little bit and then we'll come back. But, you know, we know that was 2,000 years ago, and we're still waiting for him to come back. But Jesus said, look, we don't know the times and the dates. That's, that's to be decided. Only God himself knows that. So this is all going to happen, but we don't know when. Some people try to work it all out, and they've kind of looked through the Bible and think, oh, well, it's going to happen in two, the year 2000. That's when it's all going to happen. And then the year 2000 comes and goes. Oh, didn't quite get that one right. Uh, people are trying to guess. I think the main thing is we should be looking to what's going to happen rather than trying to work out exactly what is going to take place. So let's just dig into that passage for a moment and think what are the key things in this passage for us here this morning? Well, I think the, the, main, the big thing, the first thing that we can look at is that we as the bride, so those of us here this morning, 
um, who are the, the part of the church. We're believers. We follow Jesus. We put our faith in him. We're in a time of preparation. It says that in verse 7, doesn't it? For the bride has made herself ready. Any of you who have ever been either married, you've been around a wedding ceremony, or you've, you've kind of seen that, you'll know that brides take a long time to get ready. Yeah? Out, out, out of the two, out of the bride and the bridegroom, who takes the longest to get ready? My experience was probably about half an hour for myself, um, at best. And, and, you know, and then, you know, it's, it's a different, even just on a normal, even if you forget a marriage ceremony, if, if you're planning to go out for the night, who takes the longest to get ready? Well, you know, it might be different in some houses, but, you know, as a general rule, brides do take a long time to get ready. They, they've got, you know, they, they make themselves beautiful. There's lots of stuff that it, it's a, it's a big preparation moment. And what, the Bible is saying here is that actually for us as Christians, what we're in now is a preparation time. We as the bride of Christ are in preparation for this moment that is to come. We are getting ourselves ready for this incredible marriage ceremony that's going to take place between us and Jesus. And in verses eight and nine, it sort of suggests that our preparation, part of that preparation is actually our righteous deeds. It says that, doesn't it? It says that it was granted to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So to me, that suggests that actually the things that we are doing in our life now, the things that are motivated by a, a pure attitude, by a godly attitude, the things that we're doing for God right now that are done with a pure heart, that's actually part of the kind of the, 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 the preparation time for us as that they're it's kind of almost kind of putting together our incredible dress that's going to take place on that moment. There's a sense where everything is adding to this glory of the church. So the things that we do now is part of our preparation for that day to come. That's, that's kind of incredible to think about, isn't it, really? The things that we do, even, you know, we talked about kind of providing hampers for people in our community. Some people who, if you donated to that and you thought, actually, I'd love to bless that and I want to do that in just a quiet way, then that righteous deed is actually part of, it's going to come to fruition on this day when we meet Jesus. It's part of the glory of the church. It's not just helping someone now, it's preparing something for eternity. That's, that's quite incredible, isn't it, really? That our righteous deeds are part of our preparation for the glorious day that's going to come. But it also speaks elsewhere in the Bible. For example, in Isaiah 61 verse 10, it talks about also the fact that we receive a righteousness from Jesus himself so in Isaiah 61 10 it says I will greatly rejoice in the Lord my soul shall exult in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation he has covered me with the robes of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels so there's also a sense here that what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross He's actually part of like our robes of righteousness. He's, he's the righteousness of him, the, the, the godliness of him is actually something that he also is partaking to us, giving to us, that it's going to be part of this glorious day. So these kind of righteousness that is the glory of the church is stuff that we do ourselves and that when we, we serve God wholeheartedly with a pure heart and a pure motive, it's not only having a blessing right here on earth, but it has an eternal consequence as well. But also in that day, we are made righteous because of what Jesus has done as well. And he's clothed us with, with his righteousness as well. 
this amazing kind of almost blend of this kind of glory that's going to take place in this glorious kind of wedding dress, if you want to think about it like that, is a mixture of our righteousness that we deeds done with his help, but also what he's clothed us in as well. It's kind of an incredible kind of picture, isn't it, that we can see there. We can also see from these verses that it's going to be a great celebration because Jesus is the most glorious person for us to be married to. Now, I'm sure some of you have got kind of like the, the, the picture in your mind of the ideal person you would love to be with for forever. Um, and it might be the person sitting next to you, but it might also not be. Because actually, when we think about it, there's no one perfect on this planet, isn't there? There might be some people that, you know, you, they're perfect for you. Brilliant. That's great. But actually, what we're longing for is, is the perfect person to be with forever. And, and it's going to be an amazing celebration because Jesus really is the perfect person to be married to. He really, really is. You know, even the best person on this planet that you could be married to is just a pale shadow of what Jesus is like. And we're going to be married to him. We're going to be united with him as Christians for all of eternity. He's the most perfectly loving person to be married to. He's sacrificial in his love. He puts others, us, before himself. And even now it tells us in the Bible that he's in heaven praying for us right now. He says he's interceding for, for us. So he's a husband who's, who's actively involved in the preparation as well. He's, he's praying for us. He, he, we're on his heart. We're not just kind of over there somewhere and, and actually, you know, oh, he'll bump into us again at some point in the future. Now he's, he's, he's a, his attention is on us even now. He's praying for us. His love is sent to us. It's, it's an incredible picture that actually his love for the church, his love for all believers is as strong now as it ever has been. What an amazing person to be the thought of being united with him for all of eternity with. That's, that's incredible, isn't it, really? That's someone who you really want to be around all the time. That's someone who you want to be united with forever. And so because he's going to be the most perfect person to be married to forever, it's going to be the most joy-filled wedding celebration that you could ever, ever imagine. It's going to be an incredible moment. There's times of celebration that you've been to, weddings you've been to that are great celebration. Um, but there's always moments as well when you're standing around for hours waiting for the photos to be finished, aren't you? And you're getting hungry and hungry and you're thinking, oh, this is great, but come on. You know, there's going to be in heaven in this moment, there's going to be no waiting around for photos to be taken. There's not going to be any kind of sense of, wow, man, like they're taking ages to get the food out. I've been sitting here for hours and I'm really a bit bored of talking to this random family member that I've never met before. I really hope, I mean, we've all been to weddings like that, haven't we? But this is not going to be anything like that. It's going to be the most joy filled celebration ever, which is incredible, isn't it? And also, what we have to understand is it's going to be so incredible because actually all of God's story is pointing towards this day. All of, all of history, all of God's dealings are pointing to this day where Jesus, the son, is going to be united with his people for all of eternity. That's the pinnacle of God's story. That's why everything kind of points towards that. So Jesus' entry into earth through a, a Christmas was, was actually in order to see that happen. His death and his resurrection was in order to see this wedding happen. His ascension back into heaven was so that it would 
see the point towards this day and his return to earth one day to judge the living and the dead again is is so that this can happen this this moment of us as believers being united with jesus forever in this ultimate marriage ceremony is the pinnacle of all of god's creation and it says in in romans 8 it says that all of creation is longing for this day in romans 8 19 it says for creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of god there's a sense that if we could kind of peel back the natural world and see the spiritual world around us and if we could see the angels and we could see into into god's presence right now we would see that they're all uh, groaning and waiting for this day when we will be revealed as the sons of god when we'll be united with jesus where there's a sense where this moment happens we kind of think we're just waiting for for christmas or we're waiting for covid to be over or we're waiting for you know to go back to, we're not all of creation is waiting for this moment it's waiting for this glorious moment where jesus and his believers will come together and be united for all of eternity i think what we need to realize is that jesus himself can't wait for this day that this is what he did everything for he's longing for this day when he'll be reunited with us because at the moment there's a sense where our relationship with jesus is, is there's an element of a long distance relationship to it isn't there i remember when i was at university back in the day um, and it was a day before mobile phones really were widespread you know we, some of us in the room can remember those days can't we you know, the younger generation think that that's like the Stone Age, but you know, it is within our lifetime, isn't it? And, and so when I was in, um, Mel and I were dating, as they said in those days, and um, I was away at university in Nottingham, she was here in Lowestoft. Um, and so the only way to contact, I'd phone her a couple of times a week, but it had to be through the old pay phones down, you know, the phone boxes, remember those? Um, and uh, where I was in Nottingham, there was a, 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 a pay phone on a roundabout just outside the hospital where I used to live. Um, and I could use it for quite a long time because all the glass had been smashed out. So basically, what I had to do to go and speak to Mel, so I could speak to her for more than 10 minutes without someone standing on the door saying, are you finished? Are you finished? Because nobody wanted to use the payphone with all the glass broken out of it on the side of a roundabout. I used to go down, cover us like with hats and gloves and scarves. I used to stick the, the, the kind of the the, the um, receiver up under the hat and do this and do this so I could speak to her for like so a half an hour or so at a time without anyone knocking on the door. And there's an element of like long distance there, you know. And then actually, um, when we, after university, coming, getting married and being together, it changes the nature of your relationship, doesn't it? You're around each other all the time. And there's an element at the moment where our relationship with Jesus is a little bit long distance. It's different because by his spirit, he's with us. So that's incredible, isn't it? That's different to a human long-distance relationship. But there is still an element where it's like, well, he's, he's there and we're here. And yeah, I, I believe him and I trust him, but I can't see him. We, we, none of us have ever seen Jesus, have we? Um, and and we, we follow him by faith. And there will be a day when that long-distance relationship, that feeling like that, will be over. There'll be a day when, this day, when we are together. And he's longing for that day probably more than we are because we don't think about it much, but he's longing for that day when he's reunited with his people. The, um, the writer, the Christian preacher from a few hundred years ago, Charles Spurgeon, he, he, he summarized it like this. He said, the feast, this wedding feast, like other, most other marriage suppers, is the fulfillment of a long expectation. 
Our Lord has waited long for his perfected church. He espoused himself to her before ever the earth was. But there was much to be done before she was prepared for the marriage. Souls have to be saved, newly created, blood washed, sanctified, perfected. And all of them must be gathered up to make up the body of Christ's spouse. And when that is done and she is all complete, the expectations of Christ will be fulfilled at that marriage supper. Oh, beloved, you do not know the longings of the heart of Christ for that day of glory. For this he lived, for this he died, for this he continually pleads that all for whom he shed his precious blood might be his in that day. The day is fast coming, and when it arrives, then will be the wedding feast. I hope this morning we want to capture something of what is lying ahead for us and something of the heart of Christ for this day. Jesus is longing for the day that he gets to meet you face to face. That's, that's pretty special, isn't it? That's true of us individually as believers and true of us corporately as the universal church. What a glorious day. And what we have to realize is that, as I said earlier, everything is pointing towards that day. Everything that takes place, even our earthly marriage ceremonies, there's, there's, they're a foreshadow and a taste of what is to come in that future. Sorry, Sue was just taking a picture of me, I think. Oh, the quote. Oh, disappointing. <laughs> We're going to watch a video now, which someone's put together that summarizes, just short shows how our earthly kind of wedding ceremony matches and gives us a foreshadow of what's to come. So we're just going to play that video. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Symbols, shadows, parables, Sometimes this is about that. Flowers are about love. Signatures are about promises. Fireworks are about celebrations. Poppies are about war. And marriage is about the Christian gospel. This mystery is profound, says Paul, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So the wedding begins with the groom waiting at the front. He has pursued his bride and won her, and now he just has to wait. And when she eventually comes in, the whole room stands and stares at her beauty, her immaculate dress, pure and white and spotless. She gets presented to him, and they declare that they have no other partners. They hold hands. They make promises. To have and to hold, for better, for worse, forsaking all others as long as we both shall live. They exchange rings, signs of the covenant promises they have just made. They sign their names and make their vows legal. Then, as the ceremony concludes, they walk back out again, united as one. Everything he has is hers, and everything she has is his. Everybody celebrates with a meal. Later, they will express their physical union and share all of their possessions. She even takes on his name. Two have become one. And all this is about that. Jesus has made his people ready. His death for our sins has made us beautiful, pure, white, and spotless. We are given to him 
and for nobody else. We make promises to each other. Never will I leave you or abandon you, says Jesus, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. And we reply to him, I will forsake all other gods as long as we both shall live. There is an exchange of gifts. God gives us his spirit. There is a legal declaration. God says we are righteous in his sight. We walk on, united as one. Everything he has, his love, his power, his goodness, becomes ours. And everything we have, our sin, our shame, our past, becomes his. Everybody celebrates with a meal, bread and wine. We express our physical union through baptism in water. We give him access to all our possessions. We even take on his name and his identity. We become Christians. Two have become one. This is about that. I think that's such a helpful kind of reminder, really, of, of what we're saying about this morning, which is that everything in creation is pointing towards this incredible day that is going to take place. What we do now is a foreshadow of what is to come. So what's the difference does this all make to our lives right here and right now? How should this change us? Because that's why we look at the Bible, isn't it? Because we want God to stir us and impact us, to change us right now. Part of our preparation is being changed and growing from one degree of glory into another to become more like Christ himself. Well, the first thing is, if you're not a Christian here this morning or watching this or listening to this, then you need to realize that not everybody gets an invite to this wedding. That there, This is an invitation-based um, approach to this wedding. It's not like everybody who's ever lived it's actually everybody who has put their trust in Jesus as their saviour. That everybody who's put their faith in him for forgiveness for their sins. And everybody who follows him with their heart and with their lives, that those are the ones invited to this incredible wedding and marriage that is going to take place. It's not, we don't believe universalism. We don't believe that everybody gets to be with Jesus forever in heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that. It says that actually everybody who puts their their, their trust in Jesus, everybody who puts their faith in him for salvation, those are the ones who will then be invited to this most incredible thing we've been talking about this morning. And this isn't really just about missing out on a good party. You might think, well, actually, yeah, no, I'm not a Christian, but that's fine. I can live without a good party. We're talking here about um, being united with Christ forever in heaven. And if you're not there, then you'll be eternally separated from him and what the Bible calls hell. That's, that's the stark reality of those two things. This is not some good party, good option. I'll think about it if I've got nothing else on. This is all about eternity. This is about where we will spend our eternal life. And for those of us who profess to be Christians, then this should be the source of our greatest hope in this life. It should help to, to bring joy into our hearts, no matter what's going on in our circumstances, and lift us from the gloom of life, knowing that actually this is what is waiting for us as Christians. That is our hope, isn't it? Our hope isn't that, you know, that somehow, I don't know, church services get a bit better again, or that we start doing more of this activity, or I get to go on a holiday a bit more, or that isn't our hope. Our hope is that we will be united with Jesus forever at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's, that's what should bring us the most joy forever, yeah? 
that should stir our hearts to think, well, actually, this is what lies ahead for me. This is what is on the horizon. Because if we allow that to sink into our hearts more, that just like in, in, in the supernatural world, everything is pointing towards this day. If we allow our hearts and our minds to be more and more gripped by actually, this is all about that, that this life is actually all about that, isn't it? It's actually, we're in preparation, we're living for a day beyond the grave, then that should change how we view life right now, shouldn't it? It should relax some of that kind of like vice-like grip that we have on this earth, that we sometimes just live for the things that this world offers. We, we live for even just like, oh God, would you just you know, answer my prayer about this, this and this? And it can sometimes be very much linked to just life on earth. And, and there's not wrong to want good health. It's not wrong to want this to happen or that to change. But actually, some of our prayers should be, God, help me to be preparing, playing my part in preparing the bride for that ultimate day. Help me, Lord, to, to be someone who does righteous deeds that are spurred on by you and motivated by godliness, because I'm looking forward to that day to come. Help me, Lord, to grasp the truth of that day, to be filled with joy for that day. Even if this world and life is tough in this world, actually, that is storing up, as it says in, in, in kind of 2 Corinthians, doesn't it? It says that we, we, we talk about... we. we um, let go of the things of this world because they're temporary. And instead, we, we focus on things from eternal because they will last forever. You know, sometimes we need to see that and hear that a bit more. We, we get so gripped on this world, don't we, in this life, that we miss that actually this is really about that. It's preparing something for the future. So I hope this morning we've stirred up a little bit of hope for us that actually is beyond what this world has to offer and we just I just wanted to I've got a couple of volunteers that are just going to come with Jonah and Betsy we're just going to visually illustrate what we've been talking about this morning and then we're going to just sing together and take communion together if you've got um given a party popper sometime again if you want to stand over there Jonah then this is your moment okay just the usual health warnings with party poppers please aim them at the ceiling rather than the person next to you or in front of you Okay, and if you are a bit of a nervous disposition and don't like loud bangs, then a loud bangs will probably come soon. So just kind of prepare yourself for that. But I just asked these two guys, we've got our, we've got Jesus over here. We've got the bridegroom, yeah? Handsome, beautiful, perfect Jesus. And we've got over here, our beautiful bride. Yeah, the church in all her glory. Look at all those righteous deeds that have been covering her in glory throughout all of history. And what we're going to see is as, as time comes to an end, we get this incredible moment when they start coming together. This way, movement. Yes, brilliant. Come up on the stage. It's an amazing moment where the church is in all its glory comes together and Jesus, this bridegroom, who's been like, like this for all of eternity. He's been like, yeah, come on. I can't wait for this moment. And the bride is just beautiful and glittery and glorious. And they come together in this amazing moment at the end of all of history. And we just have this most amazing celebration. <laughs> Hooray! Where the bridegroom and the bride come together for all of eternity. And they're happy about it. Hooray! Brilliant. Well done, guys. We're going to take communion together now. We're going to have a a song that's playing on, on the video with the words on it there. Just wanted to do it slightly different this morning. Communion, do you know, one of the things that Jesus said when he, when he did the Last Supper, he said, 
I'm not going to drink again of wine until that final marriage supper. Do you know, Jesus is waiting for that day. When we take communion, that in itself is not just a reflection on Jesus' death and resurrection. It's a sense that one day we will be, again, drinking wine and eating with him in that marriage supper. And Jesus said on that last supper, he said, I'm not going to eat again and drink. I'm not going to drink again of wine until that final day. When we take communion, we're again proclaiming we can't wait for that day. It's a celebration meal as well. It's a, you know, no, it's not a meal, but it's a celebration event where we're looking forward to that day when one day we will drink wine, we will eat bread with our Savior. Yeah? The distance will be gone. We'll be united with Him forever. And that's going to be a glorious day. I pray that we allow our faces to reflect the truth of what we talked about this morning. Yeah, it's good. It's a good moment. Let's stand. We're just going to, if we could play that song. Let's take communion together.